Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Years ago, I purchased a little book entitled The Secret of Obedidim. It was not an ordinary book title, but Obedidim was no ordinary man. The secret of Obedidim is found in Scripture, and I want to share that with you today. We first read of this man in 1 Chronicles 13. In that passage, David, it says, was afraid of God. Yes, the man after God's own heart was afraid of the presence of God, for a man had just died touching the Ark of the Covenant, and David, for once, did not know what to do. So he directs the Ark to the house of Obedidim. For three months, the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol of God's presence, rested in this man's home. And the result? God blessed the house of Obedidim and all that he had. Addicted to his presence. That is the secret of Obedidim. We are talking all of this week in Daily Devotion about the loving presence of God and talking about the blessings that can come to a person when they grow addicted to that presence. In fact, it is the subject of my book, Blessed 90 Days to Change Your World. Obedidim plays a foremost role in that book. Let me back up and answer a few questions. Who was Obedidim? He was a Gittite, a person from Gath, hometown to none other than Goliath. Obedidim means servant of Edom. He was probably not an Israelite, although some believe he was. He lived on the edge of a threshing floor. His house was probably modest. His living was equally modest. He was a stranger in a strange land, and we probably would have never known his name had David not decided to leave the ark at his house. Second question, what was the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant, you may remember, was one of the most important symbols in the Old Testament. It was built to represent none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. For in the New Testament, Jesus' blood is called the propitiation, the mercy seat for our sins. The ark represented the power of God to save. David's motives were right. He wanted to bring the ark to Jerusalem. He would pitch a large tent, place the ark in the middle of the tent, and everybody would come and worship God. Third question, why was the ark brought to Obadiah's house? I already referenced it, but let's look a little deeper at that. David had made a mistake. The Philistines had placed the Ark of the Covenant on a cart pulled by oxen, and David thought, I will imitate the same. The Philistines didn't know better, but David did. The Ark was not to be carried on a cart, but on the shoulders of sanctified men. Near Obedidim's house, an ox stumbled. A man tried to steady the Ark, and he was struck dead. And David thought, okay, I need a plan B, and plan B was Obedidim. You can imagine the shock of Obedidim when he opens the door and finds the king of Israel standing there with priests, musicians, worshipers. And the king says, I have a gift for you. Obedidim, a promise was headed down your dusty road. The promise was in the form of a widow maker, a sure and certain killer, the living, abiding, holy presence of God. But here's the first secret of Obedidim. He welcomed God's presence into his house. Like Obedidim, we should recognize our need for the awesome living presence of God. 
Obadiah was perhaps unaware of his need. Maybe he was unaware that he required and desired the presence of God. Maybe he had a good living working the threshing floor. His family may have been the ones who winnowed the grain. Maybe he had a stable income, enough to take care of his needs. He had food, clothing, shelter, companionship. What more could he need? He needed the presence of the Almighty God in his home. And to Obed-Edom's credit, when given the opportunity, he welcomed God's presence. David and Obed-Edom had that in common. Each valued the presence of God. David said in the 27th Psalm, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. The most valuable commodity we have is not gold, it's not silver, not rubies, emeralds, or diamonds. It's not rare earth metals. No, the most valuable commodity we have is the presence of God. Obed-Edom welcomed the presence and power of God into his house, and David, many years after this incident at Obed-Edom's house, would pray, Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I need the presence of God. I require it, and I welcome it. Why do some people not want the presence of God? Because God's presence has a habit of changing everything it touches. The Bible says God blessed Obedidim and all that he had for 90 days. That means for a quarter of the Jewish calendar year, for an entire season of his life, Obedidim was blessed. If you and I want to enter into a similar season of blessing, it all begins when we welcome the presence of God into our lives. I will not bother to repeat the rabbinic legends about how this blessing took shape and appeared in Obadidim's house. For whatever those blessings were, people knew about it. People talked about them. What had brought a cursing to the disobedient had brought a blessing to the obedient. Obadidim was blessed and he showed it. His home was blessed. It showed it. His animals were blessed. They showed it. I don't know, maybe his dog stopped biting the mailman and the mailman stopped bringing bills and started bringing checks. Maybe his children were better behaved, his roof stopped leaking. Maybe the weeds stopped growing in the flower beds. How does it look? How does the blessing of God look when it appears in your life? When we welcome the presence of God, we will stop living under our own power, but we welcome the power of the Almighty God. And when we welcome God's presence, it changes everything. It changes our priorities. It changes our perspectives. It changes how we feel about things. Ninety days would pass and David came again to Obadiah's house and said, it's time for the ark to go. Obadiah must have been unhappy about that. His entire family had grown accustomed to the presence of God in their house. They had grown used to making their homes a habitation of his blessing and power. David placed the ark beneath a tent on Mount Zion. It would stay there for 40 years. The king appointed people to sing before the ark. He said to the worship leaders, I require people to sing, to play the stringed instruments, the harps and the cymbal, to raise their voice in joy before the Lord. They chose their frontline worshipers, their A-team, to do this. But they knew there would be times they couldn't make it. 
So the Bible says they sought men of second rank or second degree. We're looking for the backup singers, the backup musician. Is anyone willing? And in the back of the room, a hand must have shot up. In First Chronicles 15, 18, Obadiah volunteers to be a musician. Don't have to be on the front line. I don't have to be first string. I don't have to be seen. I'm okay being a person of second rank and second degree. I just have to be near the presence of the Lord. Lord, you blessed my house. Now I want to bless your house. David looked for people to be doorkeepers a few verses later. Again, the hand of Obadiah must have shot up. I'll be a doorkeeper. I'll be a doorkeeper to the house of the Lord, to the Ark of the Covenant. I'll keep an eye out. I'll stand guard. I'll do my part. In 1 Chronicles 16, David then said, we need some people to minister around the tabernacle. It appears a hand went up again. You're seeing a pattern here. Obadiah said, that would be me. I'll pick up the trash. I'll sweep the floors. I'll knock out the cobwebs. I just want to be close to what changed my life so radically. Later on, David said, I need gatekeepers to the city and lots were cast. Shilamai was to the east and Shupanim and Hosa to the west and Zechariah to the north, but to the south, to the south. God's choice for gatekeeper was Obedidim. God's presence for 90 days in his home had radically changed Obedidim's priorities. What mattered beforehand no longer mattered today. His priorities had completely altered. He wanted to be in the presence of the Lord That's what he wanted more than anything else. And he was willing to quite simply do anything to stay close to the presence of the Lord. That presence, that power of God had changed his life and his family's life. Not only did Obadiah become a gatekeeper to the house of God, but we read years later, he had some 62 descendants who followed in his footsteps. The Bible says they were able men with strength for this work. This man named Obadiah not only let God's presence work in his life, he encouraged it, permitted it to work in his family's life. I believe Obadiah's children, in a sense, still live. The 84th Psalm, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Not in a physical sense, perhaps, but in a spiritual sense, Obadiah's children and offspring still live. These are the people amongst us who say, I don't really care what others do. I'm going to praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what the people in my circle do. I'm still going to bless the Lord. The last mention of the house of Obadiah is some 200 years from our initial read. Judah had a big house of God, Solomon's temple. Yet the godly are only one generation from extinction. We are only one generation from drifting away from what brought us to this point. Judah had backslid. The Bible says she began to worship the gods of Edom. God allowed the temple to be sacked and the treasuries to be carried away. When the enemy came to plunder the temple, one family's remnant was still there. The children of Obadiah were still in the house of God. How do you and I build a legacy that lasts so long? We do it one day at a time. 
we approach it with the attitude of the psalmist, the 84th Psalm, verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. One day in the presence of God is better than a thousand in the Bahamas, better than a thousand in Hawaii, better than a thousand in Paris, Rome, or London, better than a thousand days anywhere else. You see, the children of Obadiah are still alive today. I believe you're listening to me, that you are the descendant spiritually of a man named Obadiah who said, I value the presence of God. What was the secret of his life? It's quite simple. He grew addicted to the presence of God. He could not live without that Ark of the Covenant in his life, and he followed it anywhere and everywhere. It's only under the power of God are we going to be able to make significant strides in our lives, in our family's life, in our worship, in our growth with God, in our relationships, in our careers, in our influence, wherever we go. We must become, like Obadiah, addicted to the presence of God. Maybe the son of David is knocking on your heart's door saying, will you let me in? Will you let the presence of God come into your life? Or maybe right now the Lord is looking over the crowd saying, I need someone. Are you standing on the tiptoes of faith saying, Lord, pick me. Here I am. I'm available, God. Your presence changed my life. I want to bless the Lord with all of my life. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way. Until we meet again.